Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick, and welcome to the Presence Podcast. You're here for episode number 11, year two. It is evening. It is almost midnight on the 12th. And this recording for the 11th is, well, almost 24 hours overdue. I do want to record it, though. And here's why. Two reasons. One is I really think I have something significant to say from yesterday, the 11th. And it's not that I don't have significant things to say every day. Although some, I'll be honest, over 365 plus days have certainly been more interesting and probably from your side more engaging than others. Yesterday, Friday, I I do think there was an important and, I hope, engaging one for you. And secondly, I want to keep my string up. Saying that I have recorded a podcast almost every day is different than saying every day. And if I have to record two back-to-back, because I will be recording episode number 12 right after this, and I do have something to say for that one too, I um, I think that it'll be worth it. So here goes. Yesterday, Friday, the last day of the work week, I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the holy presence of God. So yesterday was the last day of teaching during the first week after Christmas vacation, and um, I think it went pretty well. My focus for the week, as I think I may have mentioned in a previous podcast, was comparing different creation myths from different cultures in different um, places around the world. And my idea here is by looking at different creation myths, when we look at the Genesis stories, we will have a better appreciation of ways that they are similar and, I think, more significantly different than other creation myths. So that's the groundwork that I've been laying this week. Yesterday was actually something to follow up on the uh, idea that we were raising with The Truman Show. I showed The Truman Show before Christmas break, and we talked about it a little bit, and I feel like there is a lot there we could talk about. But I wanted to do two things with the activity that I presented to the students yesterday. One was allow them to be exposed to a significant and, I think, really profound allegory that dates back 2,400 years to the philosopher Plato. And secondly, um, be able to see how that can be applied to the Truman Show, but also applied to our own daily lives. So, the allegory of the cave. If you do not know that story, I, I really highly recommend that you go and find a video that illustrates the story because it definitely needs a form of illustration, whether it's a static drawing or a dynamic animation, it's worth seeing. And I think even worth reading. You can Google Plato's cave PDF and find one and read it. It's relatively short and it's actually a fairly simple allegory. The profound nature of it comes from the fact that Plato grasped this 
two and almost a half millennia ago. So here's the story, or the allegory. Plato says life is like people being chained in a cave all of their lives, and not knowing that it is a cave. And they are chained to face one direction, forward. And they are staring at a cave wall, or the cave wall, one of the cave walls. And behind them is a fire, and between them, their backs and the fire, are moving figures, people, animals, other movement. Now, those moving figures are, with the fire, casting a shadow on the cave wall in front of them. So they see this movement, they can hear the movement behind them, but they don't know that the shadows are just shadows, representations of the movement, the forms. So that's the scene. Plato says, what happens, and this is actually, I should step back one second, this is Socrates speaking in a dialogue. Plato is writing this in book six or seven, I think, of the Republic. So Plato says, what happens, let's imagine, if we take one of these people, one of these prisoners, and lead him or her out of the cave? Now, they come into the sunlight and they are blinded initially. And it hurts, it's painful to know that there is this reality that is far greater and far more vivid and bright than the reality that they thought was real fully real in the cave. So Plato says eventually the person's eyes will adjust and he or she will see that there are shadows in the outside world, but they are representations only of a real thing. There is a shadow of a tree being cast by the sun, but the tree is real. It can be touched and held and uh, hugged, if you will, and it has scents and tastes and so forth. And eventually, after a time, the person outside of the cave will be able to even look at the sun and to experience the sun. So Plato says, imagine if the man or the woman went back into the cave. Well, at first, it would be painful there because of how dark it is and hard to see. And the shadows would be unfulfilling because he or she now knows what they truly are. And here, I think, is the fascinating point, and Plato's main point, really, is that imagine the illumined or the enlightened, literally, from the sun above, man or woman, says to the others that are chained, hey, this is not real, and tries to describe to them what is outside of the cave, the people will be angry or confused, and They may mock the man or woman. And Plato goes on to say they may even abuse with violence the man or the woman and call him or her crazy and nuts and all of that. And then the last line or the last comment, Plato says, might it even be possible that they would kill him or her? And Socrates, again, this is Socrates speaking this, Socrates' conversation partner says, yes, they would kill him or her. Whew, pretty stark and cynical, but I think true. You know, the 
those who have been in modern parlance woke and have tried to wake others up are often marginalized or demonized or trashed on Twitter in the, this day and age. So stay with me, if you will, please, through the break. Afterwards, I will talk about how I illustrated in class this reality of the cave and also experienced it myself in the evening, what I experienced at the winery yesterday evening. Thank you for staying with me through the break. So I did something after discussing it a little bit with my students that I think illustrated them. First of all, I must say that as I was explaining this and trying to help the students to apply the allegory, they weren't real comfortable. Now, Maybe it was Friday, maybe it was the end of class that we were nearing. But in one class in particular, I saw there was a real noticeable restlessness, which I interpreted as a discomfort with the story. Because I think what Plato gets on about in the story that's amazing is the projection or shadows on the cave wall is very much like a screen, right? You could imagine the light and the fire and the moving forms just being a projection, right? And any of our screens, whether it's a movie screen or a television screen or a phone screen or computer screen, any of those are projections. They're not real. They are a representation of reality. And I showed that to my students by using my LED projector on my whiteboard, which is what I do every day for most of the period, quite frankly, I found a picture of a tree. And I said to the students, I projected it, right? I said, what is this? They said, oh, it's a tree. And I said, okay, it looks like a tree, but is that really a tree? And they said, well, no, it's, it's a picture of a tree. I said, okay. And I said, what are we really looking at? I said, I said, what is a picture? Well, the most literal answer or the most actual answer is that we are looking at photons and that have been digitalized and light photons, digital, the content, has been made to represent this tree. And then I said, what are we really looking at here? And they said, well, you you just told us it's a projected image of a tree. And then I went to the projector, closed the lens, which doused the light. I said, no, what we are really looking at here is a whiteboard that has this on top of it. So what the people in the cave are looking at is a wall that has that shadows and projection on it. And I think that kind of blew my students' minds realizing that, yes, we think we're looking at a tree or whatever it is that we are, that I am projecting with my LCD player, but it's just a representation that has been processed in various ways. 
I was reminded of this yesterday evening at the winery at which I work, mostly Saturday nights, but yesterday they, the owner asked me to work on Friday nights, and I'm glad it was. I did work. It was busy, and the tips were good, and there was um, a musician. Now, music is a key part of the winery. Usually, though, it is Spotify that we have various playlists, and we stream that over the speakers. But having a musician there is so very different because he's live. He's there. His name, the performer last night, his name was Dan, and mostly covers, kind of a James Taylor-esque vibe to him, kind of a younger um, James Taylor. Um, and the difference, though, with a live performer is, I think, pretty profound because there is a, an interactivity you can sing with him. You can request songs from him. He will dialogue with the audience. Uh, Dan, in particular, didn't a whole lot, which I think is good. We had one performer a number of years ago, a young performer, barely in, out of his 20s, barely into his 20s, who talked too much to the audience. So you can err in that direction as well. But I was struck by this when I was, um, when Dan performed a, a song that I really enjoy from the 80s. Grew up with this song. It's actually kind of my karaoke song. You know, if I'm in a karaoke situation, which unfortunately I'm not in a lot, but this is the song I like to sing because I know the lyrics and it's in my range and it's fun and kind of an audience participation possibility and so forth. So he was singing it and there I was, I was working behind the bar a little ways away from him, but singing every word. A little ditty about Jack and Diane, two American kids growing up in the heartland. Jackie gonna be a football star, Diane debutante backseat of Jackie's car. And on and on. And again, I was struck because the music that we were streaming, that we do stream, that I love listening to on Spotify... It's processed, it's ones and zeros, and it's not real. It's stimulating my eardrums, but it's the source is being, it is, there's, there's so many steps, I can't really touch it. Whereas I can talk to Dan and I can touch his guitar and I can tell him thank you and he can respond. And some of that we could do in a digital realm, we know that, but it's not the same. And it's not real. That was real music when if I were looking and last night and asked, what am I, what am I, what am I looking at? I'm looking at a person. What am I doing? I'm hearing music. I'm not looking at a video. I'm not looking at a screen. I am present. And ultimately God is present. And that I think is my God presence moment in the midst of all of this. The reminder that we as humans are seeing most of the time what is incomplete. You know, St. Paul in 1 Corinthians says, you know, we, we're seeing through a glass darkly. You know, now I see partially and then I think in eternity I will see completely. And I think we have to remember that, that when we look at our screens, when I look at my screens, it's only a partial representation of reality. When I listen to the music being streamed into my ears, it is not the same as being there at the winery with others 
listening to Dan perform and singing along as he performs. Now, God is present in all of it. Ones and zeros and projections and photons and Dan and the wine and the companionship. God is present in all of that. But the question is, where am I most present? Where am I most in touch with the moment and the reality and the grace and the beauty, awe and wonder of the moment? Is it through a screen or is it through the flesh and blood and guitar that Dan and live performers offer? How about you? Where are you in this, in screens or in what is real and what is live? Where have you experienced the real and the live lately? And how has it been a revelation of the presence of God for you? As always, thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace.